This is Srimad Bhagavatam, translation and purports by Srila Prabhupada. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So this is not an easily chantable verse for everybody, so I think I'll just chant it. I will hog the chanting. And then um, I'll try to explain. This is the um, fifth canto. This is a somewhat unique part of the Bhagavatam in that the verses are given in prose rather than uh, in metered verse. So, evam karma vishuddhya vishuddha satasyanta hridhyakashe sharire Brahmani Bhagavati Vasudeve Mahapurusha Rupopalakshane Sri Vatsa Kostu Bhavana Maladi Dharagadavir Upalakshite Nija Purusha Hrilikite Natmani Purusha Rupena Virochamana Uchaistaram Bhakti Ranudina Vidamana Raya Jayata. So you all know what that means, obviously. <laughs> so Prabhupada's translation for this verse. In this way, being purified by ritualistic sacrifices, the heart of Maharaj Bharata was completely uncontaminated. His devotional service unto Vasudeva, Lord Krishna, increased day after day. Lord Krishna, son of Vasudeva, is the original personality of Godhead, manifest as super soul, paramatma, as well as the impersonal Brahman. Yogis meditate upon the localized paramatma situated in the heart. Jnanis worship the impersonal Brahman as the supreme absolute truth, and devotees worship Vasudeva, the supreme personality of Godhead, whose transcendental body is described in the Shastras. His body is decorated with the Srivatsa, the Kostupa jewel, and a flower garland, and his hands hold a conch shell, disc, club, and lotus flower. Devotees like Narda always think of him within their hearts. So Prabhupada's purport. Lord Vasudeva, Sri Krishna, son of Vasudeva, is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He is manifest within the hearts of yogis in his Paramatma feature, and he is worshipped as impersonal Brahman by jnanis. The Paramatma feature is described in Shastras as having four hands holding disc, concha, lotus flower, and club, as confirmed in Srimad Bhagavatam. That is uh, 2.2.8 in the Bhagavatam. Paramatma, the Supreme Soul, is situated in the hearts of all living beings. He has four hands holding four symbolic weapons. All devotees who think of Paramatma within the heart worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead as the temple deity. They also understand the impersonal features of the Lord and his bodily rays, the Brahmani Fulgens. So, Prabhupada Kijai. So, let's take a look at this verse. I'm going to go over the, uh, the Sanskrit word by word to see what the, you could say, the literal meaning is. So eva means thus. So thus always refers to something that just happened before, right? 
even in English, if you say thus, it means you're concluding something that you just said. So to understand what thus means in this verse, we have to look at the previous verse. And the previous verse says that uh, so Maharaj Bharata offered results in the name of religion, offered to Krishna. So he's performing all these spiritual duties, his sadhana, one can say, his, he's performing his spiritual practice, and thus, in other words, as a result of the spiritual practice, karma vishuddhya vishuddha sattvasya. So the first point here is that uh, by the purification of action, Bharata, Bharata's existence became purified. Sattva, sattva, sat in Sanskrit is the, uh, in case you are a grammar fan, sat is the neuter present singular participle of the verb to be. And so therefore sat literally means being. And just like in English, a participle is sort of like a, a, a verb that can act as a noun. So like I am being technical, right? That's the verb use of being. And then you can say a living being, so it can be used as a noun. And that's sort of what sat is in Sanskrit. It means being, literally. And so if you say sattva, it means beingness or the state of being. And the state of being means one state of being, one's existence. That's all simple, isn't it? Too much grammar before breakfast, I guess, can be a little, <laughs> a little tough. So you have an obvious uh, symmetry here. In the, in the composition saying that karma vishuddhya means by karma vishuddhi, by the purification or by the purity of his actions, he, his existence became purified. This is very important. Uh, there is an inevitable link between what we do and our state of existence. So it's not just good feelings and uh, good intentions. As they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So it's actually in the act of doing the right thing, which of course none of us do perfectly, but still at least uh, we try and at least we recognize the importance of proper action. So by doing the right thing, you will come to the right state of being. And the right state of being, of course, is to be healthy. I mean, it's just, I mean, this is like a, uh, this is a very simple point. For example, if you live the right way, you'll be healthy. Or you'll be healthier than you would be if you lived the wrong way. So if you eat healthy food, if you exercise, if you send regular donations to my retirement fund, if you do all these appropriate things, then, um, you know, your body will be healthy. And if one does not get exercise and does not eat good food or good prasadam, I mean, all prasadam is spiritual and some of it is, uh, will spiritually kill you. <laughs> so, but what a way to go, right? <laughs> so, in other words, in, in a sense, just like there's that old German saying, erist was erist, which in English is, you are what you eat. So, and also we are what we do. When we act, 
When we act intentionally, we are choosing and choosing certain actions, we are choosing who we want to be. So if we want to be good persons, healthy, spiritually healthy, and every way healthy, then we choose to perform healthy spiritual activities, such as what we're doing now. So that's very important. So, evam karma vishuddhya vishuddha sattvasya. So, grammatically it's saying, of Bharata, of Bharata, who developed pure existence by pure actions. That's the first idea. So, we're talking about Bharata, and what comes next is about him. So, evam karma vishuddhya vishuddha sattvasya, antarhidya kasha sharide brahmani bhagavati. Vasudeva Mahapurusha Rupopa Lakshane Sri Vatsa Kostu Bhavana Malari Dadagada Virupa Lakshite Nija Purusha. Well, I'm reading the whole verse again. So to understand, because grammatically it's it's a somewhat complex verse, so I'll simplify it for you. I mean every Sanskrit sentence, just like every English sentence, has a subject, a verb, uh, sometimes an object, prepositional phrases, so it's the same basic grammar. So the subject of this long, complex Sanskrit sentence, the subject of this sentence is bhakti, devotion, or love of God. And the verb is ajayata, literally took birth or arose, uh, manifested. So in the simplest sense, the Sanskrit sentence is, uh, bhakti rajayata, devotion arose, or love of God appeared or came into being, took birth, literally. That's the sentence. Everything else is kind of, you know, a series of statements about that basic sentence, that bhakti arose. So bhakti arose for bharata. So it's it, bhakti arose in Bharata or for Bharata, who, and actually it said here, um, it arose in his in his soul. That's another word here. Uh, let's see, where's, uh, oh yeah, Atmani. So in Bharata, in, in, his, in his soul, which was virochamane, which was shining, with the presence of the form of the Lord, the personality of God. So with the presence in him of Krishna, that form of Krishna by his meditation, his soul was shining. And in that soul, bhakti arose. So that, that's the basic idea. And then, um, and bhakti arose in him uh, toward bhakti for Krishna, who's described with all these uh, appositional. There's all these different descriptions which all refer to Krishna. It's in that Krishna that his devotion arose. So here's what it says about Krishna. In Krishna, um, who, uh, whose form, whose body, Sharita, Akasha, is, sort of, is, is present in the space of the heart or the heart or the heart sky we'll talk about that the inner heart space literally what it says 
Now the word akasha in Sanskrit means space and also means sky. And this idea that inside your heart is, is obviously not just a you know physical pumping chamber, but that the idea is that the the heart, the physical heart itself is just a vital organ of the body. But therefore, to make it clear, we're not talking about just the physical heart, but we're talking about a, a subtler space within, which is in the heart. Uh, I mean, we even talk about that. Like, if you think of just common language, people say, deep within my heart. And they don't, they're not talking about red corpuscles or, you know, or tissue or anything physiological. They're, they're talking about a space in there, a certain space, which is the seat of your deepest feelings. So therefore we have, for example, and, and so to distinguish, we're not talking just about the physical organ, but about that higher, more subtle space, which is the center of all your deepest feelings. For example, in Gita 15.15, Krishna says, Sarvasya Chaham Hridi Sandivi, no, he says, Ishvara Sarvabhutanam Hridesha, that's actually another verse, where Krishna says, I am in the heart territory or space or the heart area of every living being, Hridesha, not just Hrid, but Hridesha. Sometimes Krishna will say, in the heart, just in the heart. But it's always understood he's talking about that spiritual space in the heart within. So, for example, Krishna Sarvasicham Hridi, just in the heart, but then he says Hridesha. Here we have Hridaya Akasha, in the space of the heart. And this not only means that it's a spiritual space beyond the physical organ, it also means that ultimately there is a uh, sort of an unlimited space within the heart because, because Krishna's in the heart. And because everything is within Krishna, ultimately all of existence, including innumerable universes and everything, it's all within the heart. So in that sense, your heart is actually a portal. There, that's a contemporary word. So your heart is actually a portal. So it's like, you know, for Alice, she went through a rabbit hole. Alice Wonderland. And uh, so if you want to go to the real wonderland, it's not about the rabbit hole. It's actually about going through the heart. And so that's another sense of Hridya Akasha, that when you go through the heart, you actually uh, come into this, the whole spiritual universe. Because again, Krishna's in your heart and everything is in Krishna. So there's unlimited space there. even for uh, spiritual, I guess, recreational sports. So, Kriyakasha Shadide. So Krishna developed devotion for Krishna, whose body uh, is in that space, that sky, that inner space, that inner sky of the heart. And Krishna was Brahmani, who was the absolute truth, Bhagavati, who was the, who was the Lord, and who was Vasudeva, Vasudeva, Mahapurusha Rupa Lakshane. This is a very interesting word now. We're, we're going to twice get here in this verse uh, forms of the word. We have Upalakshana and then Upalakshita. And uh, so what does this word mean? Here it says that um, the Lord who is the 
who has the upalakshana of the form of the great person, the Mahapurusha. So laksh, the verb laksh, lakshana, means seeing, observing, and also can therefore have the sense of a visible characteristic. A lakshana can be a, a visible, observable characteristic of something. And here we have that word lakshana with the prefix upa, which we have in English, by the way, upa. I mean, upa, upa means near. Upa can mean close to or near, but it can also mean near in the sense of not quite there, sort of at a lower level. For example, we have the word upa purana, a junior purana, or an upa veda, a junior veda. In other words, not one of the main Vedas, but kind of like a junior Veda. And, uh, or for example, what we find in Shastras that in ancient Vedic culture, sometimes a younger brother would get his brother's name, but with Upa. So for example, Krishna took birth as a younger brother of Indra. So you have Indra and little Indra. Indra Upendra. And of course, Upendra is just Upa Indra, like Junior Indra, or Little Indra. So, and then in the Mahabharata, you have Yaga, the Brahman sage, and then Upa Yaga, Yaga and Little Yaga, who um, performed a sacrifice for Drupada, which produced Tristadyumna and Draupadi. Now, interestingly, we get this word Upa. This word Upa comes into Greek as Upa. But uh, they spelled it, they put a silent H, which is not pronounced as an honor or hour. And then it became English hypo. So hypo, like hypothermia, which means not enough heat. So it's, it's junior heat. <laughs> anyway, that's where the word, English word hypo comes from. So here we have upalakshana. We have upalakshana. So what is upalakshana? Because it's, it's kind of emphasized here. It's said that uh, he developed, Bharata developed devotion for Krishna, who is the Lord, who is Vasudeva, who is the absolute truth, etc. And who has the upalakshana of the form of the Mahapurusha. So upalakshana can mean a few things. Upalakshana can mean a... It can mean looking at something closely because upa can mean close. It's just like uh, it's like one of the words for worship is upasana. You've heard this word upasana, worship, and asana. You know the word asana. It's like what we're you know what I'm sitting on, asana, and so asana means sitting or a seat in Sanskrit, but can also mean remaining, like like just sit tight. If you say in English, sit tight, it means just stay there, like don't move or don't change. And so in Sanskrit, the verb as can mean to sit or just to remain, to continue to do something. And so upasana means to stay near somebody. It means to attend on someone, like a servant that always remains near someone and uh, so that they can serve that person. So that's what, that's what the word upasana means. So anyway, here we have the word upalakshana. So upalakshana can mean uh, observing closely. Lakshana observing, then upa lakshana observing closely. But then if we take upa in the sense of junior, or sort of like below, like hypo, like hypo lakshana, uh-oh, uh, 
it's just we just lost. We have to do your password to get to get back into the. We're taking a technical break here, so if anyone wants to commercial for one of your Bhakti Center products or programs, <laughs> take a commercial break. Okay, we're back in the air. So, so taking it as lesser, like close but not there, like a junior Lakshana, <laughs> or it's kind of like seeing it. It can mean seeing something, but you're not seeing the ultimate form of something but you're just seeing something which is close to the real form, but which sort of stands for it or represents it in the sense of being close, but not exactly the thing itself. And so in that sense, we take it both ways. Uh, within our philosophy, that Upalakshana can mean that Bharata saw Krishna, who um, he saw him closely within his heart, or that he saw the Mahapurusha, the great person who is Krishna, who is God, but ultimately Krishna has more intimate forms. And so he was seeing this more formal uh, appearance of God rather than a more intimate form. So anyway, as I said, every word is very interesting. Prabhupada said this, there's so much meaning in every word. So Upalakshana is translated here as um, having the symptoms. Because Lakshana could be a symptom. In other words, an observable symptom or characteristic of something which leads you to the thing itself. So, and this form was Srivatsa Kostuba Vana Malari Daragadabir. It came equipped with uh, Srivatsa. It's interesting, Sri uh, Srivatsa uh, is is a uh, is a characteristic of Krishna, sort of a little hair on his chest, and so Sri Vatsa, the goddess of fortune, her dwelling. So it's a characteristic like like a Krishna's spiritual body. And then Vana Mala, literally forest garland, Vana Mala, forest a garland of Sylvestrian, you know, of, of, of forest flowers. And then Adi Dara Gadabi, and with the club which smashes bad guys, basically. So Srivatsa Kostuba, the Kostuba gem, a certain gem Krishna wears. It's interesting, these things are symbolic. I mean, they're real, they, they actually exist, but also they distinguish Krishna. It's just like in out there in the world, let's say like the president, there are certain, there's a certain song, Hail the Chief, which is only played for the president, or there's a certain symbol or coat of arms or a certain, so, so if you look at people in important positions, they have certain symbols, banners, emblems, coat of arms, uh, certain music, I mean, things that distinguish them in a formal setting. And so that's kind of what this is for Krishna. There's certain distinct characteristics that indicate that we're not talking about someone that just kind of looks like Krishna or looks like Vishnu, but this is the guy himself. This is the Supreme Lord. So therefore, these characteristics are given. And then... Nija Purusha Hridlikitenatmani Purusha Rupena. And he appeared with a form of Purusha, of the person, in the sense of the Supreme Person, uh, which, uh, in which, in that form, his heart was sort of like engraved with. How does Prabhupada translate? You'll see how Prabhupada does it. So. Um, does he translate? Hmm. 
doesn't really do it in the translation. Look at the purport. I mean, the, the word for word. That, like sort of like 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 a like a sketch, like an engraved picture. The word probably used likita. Likita means written or engraved or drawn or sketched and so on. And so uh, nija purusha, which means his own people. That the Lord has a form which is sort of engraved in the heart of his own people, in other words, his devotees. So, um, and of course, this is, it doesn't mean literally that if you look in your heart, there's an engraving. Uh, but, it, I mean, it, even in English, the word is used to mean something which is really there permanently. It's really impressed upon you. It's there forever. So, so that form, so, so Bharata, shining with that uh, presence of the Lord, Uchais Taram, Uch, or Ut in Sanskrit means up. So Uchait means upward and Tara means really going upward. So it means a very high level of something. It's, it's adverbial anyway. That's enough grammar for now. But so Uchais Taram Bhaktir. So with very, very high, very, that's, that's the idea, very elevated devotion. Uh, and, and devotion which was Eidhamana Raya, which had like it was like a growing or an increasing Eidhamana, an increasing uh, velocity or speed. In other words, this, the, 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 his progress, his spiritual progress was, was accelerating. That's the simple way to say it in English. With the, his, his, um, the force of his devotion power of his devotion to Krishna was accelerating, was growing. And um, and that that devotion, a devotion which consisted of this increasing, accelerating strength of love of God uh, arose within him. That's basically what the verse says. Uh, any questions on what I've explained so far? Yes. Marge, what you were saying first was that he had access to Krishna because of his actions, not his... Well, I said that it's the, it, the two words are used, that by purity of action, he developed purity of existence. And, um, but in the previous verse, it is a, you know, sometimes there are paradoxes. You were saying the intention is not so important because some, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, no, I said that in the sense that um, our good intentions must translate into good actions. That intentions without action are nice, but um, to really advance spiritually, we must somehow, to the best of our ability, I mean, none of us are perfect, and um, it's not easy to practice spiritual life in this world, as we know. And so it's not all or nothing. It is gradual, but to the best of your ability, put your good intentions into action. I was, I was thinking of that pastime where somebody was offering Lord Chaitanya the banana peel instead of the banana, 
but their intention was to please the Lord. So, well, that's different, though. In, no, no, no. But in that sense, it's not someone that just sat at home and thought about maybe someday I'll give something to Krishna. Right. He actually performed the action. He just fumbled the ball a little bit in terms of what he offered, but he actually performed the action. He acted. He didn't just sit at home and you know, maybe one day I'll do something for Krishna. <laughs> so anything else? Yes, Krishna Kripa, Krishna's mercy. <laughs> the only person who pronounces that right for <laughs> um, So it seems like he was just doing the standard rituals recommended for the king to do. He wasn't doing like, let's say, the nine processes of devotional service, but because he was doing them for the purpose of pleasing, Krishna had such a profound devotional effect. Is that, is that the idea? Um... Actually, it said in the previous verse, he performed all the yagyas for the satisfaction of Lord Vasudev. So he was serving Krishna. He was serving Krishna, he was worshipping Krishna, he was remembering Krishna. He's doing lots of standard bhakti things. And also, the nature of sacrifices is when you perform them, you chant lots of mantras. And um, those mantras glorify Krishna, so he's doing Shravanam Kirtanam. So if you look more closely at what he was really doing, it was sort of normal bhakti yoga for his age. Anything else? Going, going, yes. Que tal? Maharaj Maharaj, he is the son of Lord Rishabdev, who is an incarnation of the Lord. Yes. Uh, generally, we see that, you know, like somebody that is very close to that uh, would develop, you know, like, uh, you know, the initiative to be that person who, who he has had, you know, close contact with. But instead, here he's seeing Vishnu. Well, first of all, uh, Rishabdev is a Shakti Avesha avatar. He's not a full manifestation of Krishna and and Rishabdev came to teach devotion to Krishna and also if your father's a doctor sometimes go to another doctor <laughs> what if somebody does the right thing with the wrong intention uh, consolation prize <coughs> He made a big feast. He offered it to Krishna, but his intention was well. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, "Yeyata mam prapadyante." As people surrender to me, actually, I'm just going to put my feet down here because somehow or other, my body is not as athletic as it was before. So, um. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that he reciprocates with everyone. Krishna's very bright. You know, he gets very high test scores. And um, so Krishna knows what you're doing. And, you know, it's like, what's that Santa Claus? He knows when you've been naughty. He knows when you've been nice. So, you know, Santa Claus is just a uh, representative of Krishna. So... <laughs> So 
I mean, Krishna just figures it out and he gives you what you deserve and he gives you what you need. So it's not necessarily like there's some chart you can look at for everyone, you know, and you get it. It's um, basically Krishna, he knows. Like if your intention wasn't right, to what extent was your intention not right? To what extent? Because as we know, the nature of like motivation is, it's not just absolute. We may have mixed feelings, mixed intentions. or So Krishna just does the math and gives you what you deserve. Anything else on this point? Anything else? Any question? Anything else? If you want to know what the weather is going to be, weather, sports, traffic. <laughs> so, just to go over this verse one more time, evam karma vishuddhya vishuddha satasyantar hidiyakashe. Um, yeah, so here we are and um, trying to be Krishna conscious. And of course, as we know, we don't perform exactly the same activities that Bharata did externally. But again, the intention to use that word is the same, that we're just trying to somehow fix our minds on Krishna. And in this age, uh, there was a question raised about community in the class I gave two days ago. And um, Sam, uh, S-A-M, Sam in Sanskrit means together. It means together. And uh, again, little language uh, nugget for you. Uh, we still have Sam, that prefix in English, through the Greek. Uh, they, the Greek spelled it S-Y-M or S-Y-N. So words like synthesis or synergy, just, you know, together energy the together thesis. So S-Y-N in English is Sanskrit S-A-M, some. And so uh, Sankirtan uh, just means glorifying Krishna together. Glorifying Krishna together. And so uh, it's the very nature of the Yuga Dharma that we work together somehow. We cooperate together, and, and yet we're all unique individuals. We all have our own will. We all have our own desire. And so uh, one of the offerings, one of our most important offerings to Krishna is that even though we are unique individuals and we don't want to merge into some kind of you know, impersonal or standard identity, uh, we cooperate together. You know, to, to operate together, cooperate. And so... Um, being a good sport, being a team player. Because as we know in this age, saving the world is a team sport. And there are some athletes that just are not good team players. You know, they want to score a lot of points themselves, but they're not good team players. And so, in a sense, the sign of real sincerity, real devotion, is that you're a good team player. Uh, obviously, each of us has our own unique abilities, our own nature, and we're not trying to just be some generic servant of Krishna. Everyone has to be themselves. What did Oscar Wilde say about that? He said, um, just be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. <laughs> so, and that's really the Veda Veda. The one and different is not merely between ourselves and God. It's really between everything. So that uh, we are one among ourselves, and yet everyone is unique.
And so to maintain your own integrity, to be yourself and uh, not to lose yourself in the name of surrender, that's not what Krishna wants. You can't offer yourself to Krishna unless you know who you are. I mean, like Atmani Vedana, offering yourself to Krishna implies that you know who you are, because otherwise how can you offer something that you're not aware of? And so if you have an imperfect understanding of yourself, you haven't really accepted yourself for who you really are, then what do you offer? You're just offering some image or some idea of what you think you're supposed to be. So, you know, even, I mean, here's the, that's why the Isopanishad says, Vidyang Cha Vidyang Cha, just that, that in order to get liberation, you have to understand the spiritual world, but also the material world. And you have to really have a mature understanding of yourself in order to offer it. And so again, it's that beta, beta. On the one hand, we're all one, we're just a team, everyone just do your, you know. But on the other hand, we're all unique. And so it's like in a relationship, let's say in a marriage. Uh, if people just merge into each other, it's called codependence, it's a psychological problem. And on the other hand, if people don't really, um, they're just separate and they're just different, it's like they're not a couple. It's not really a relationship, it's just two people living in physical proximity. So in a healthy relationship, there is a oneness and then everyone is a unique individual person with their own integrity. And that's what Prabhupada wanted. There's a quote from, I mean, Prabhupada said, and I keep this actually, in, someone gave me a banner with this quote that I keep on the wall of my, well, of my former residence. It used to be on the wall of my former residence. So that he said, this whole movement exists to train people to be independently thoughtful, to have their own intelligence, and, and to understand things as individuals, as autonomous individuals. And at the same time, we have to cooperate with each other. We have to work together. And so that, it's just like in a, in a, in a marriage, in a relationship. The best marriages are of two strong people with integrity, intelligent, who agree that they're going to live together, work together, help each other. And so in the same way, a Brahminical society, which Prabhupada came to create, a true Brahminical society means that, that people cooperate, they help each other, they follow the rules, but at the same time, they're all strong individuals. Each one unique, each one with their own integrity. And so and those are the kinds of communities we want to develop. Yes? I'm always wondered about this this uh, later pastime of Rishabh Day where he just like walks around with no clothes, doesn't talk, nobody understands him and they mistreat him. And I mean, what yeah, don't is there in that? Well, I mean, you can understand it, obviously, if you want to totally give up the world, just present yourself in a way the world despises, and then you just kind of separate from the world. But it's not practical for this age, obviously, so don't try it. <laughs> Ready?